This recording is after I rewatched the movie again. Um, and I was able to answer some of my questions because I um, was paying even more attention, I guess, and noticed some new things. And um, like I said, answered some of the questions that I had. Um, there was also some things that I mentioned in the first, um, in the first recording that I was able to Google and, you know, look up and find out that it did have a specific meaning to it that I was just, I didn't really, um, catch on. Like it just didn't, you know, dawn on me. That's what it, you know, that's what the meaning was. Um, and, you know, even talking to other people about the movie, there were um, things that I'm going to mention as well that I, I just, I didn't even, I didn't even notice. So um, I'm going to mention those because I think they're really important to even um, analyze and explore the symbols used in the movie even more. Um, so, you know, again, this isn't really a review, you know? Um, I mean, I'll try to give a little bit more opinions afterward um, at the end of this recording um, just to just talk about, you know, the movie overall and maybe give like a little insight, you know, my opinions on it. Um, but I'm going to try to keep it strictly to, you know, exploring and breaking down the symbolism that's used in the movie because that also is part of telling the story. It's not just the actors, you know, acting, it's not also like meaning behind it, you know, how we communicate. And I think that was really important in the movie to really show the, uh, the you know, the Confederate soldiers' viewpoints because they're not just saying, you know, just, you know, random words. Like there's more meaning behind these words. And it shows their their the imbalance of power. It shows like their personality, that how they view um, the black people that they brought to the plantation. And I think that's really important. The nonverbal um, messages with imagery and um, labels, like those are all important in telling a story. Um, I'm not really gonna go really in order anymore um, because I was re-listening to the first recording and writing down notes and then also remembering what I watched earlier and the things that I've that was brought to my attention with other people when I was discussing this um, so it's not gonna it's not really gonna be in order um, so much so one of the things so what I'm gonna start with is talking about Elizabeth um, because I didn't really I didn't really there, I mean, I, I had more to say about her um, after watching it a second time. Um, and so Elizabeth's opinion of Veronica, it, it, it seems like it comes from a place of jealousy, but also like envy. And she also doesn't really like her. So I think that makes it even more... Uh, difficult for her to I don't know to sort of you know in the beginning when they did the video chat to sort of be like you know genuinely friendly because she obviously doesn't like her um 
you know, being racist. And then also on like, on a personal level of like her lifestyle and what she's able been, been able to accomplish. So I think it, there's also some jealousy rooted in there and some envy as well. And I felt like that was sort of showed when she was in her hotel room. And I know she just wants like, I think just throw her off and let her know that, you know, you know, maybe that someone's been in her room. Um, but I also think she just sort of like wanted her life, you know, and kind of like see like, this is how she's living. I don't know. It just seemed like there was, there was more layers into how she felt about Veronica. Like it wasn't all just, you know, on a, like a surface level of, you know, I hate this woman because she's black and she's successful, but then I also hate her like on a personal level. I don't know if that makes sense, but that's, that's just something that I was thinking about as I was watching it a second time, because it was just weird seeing her in the room. And then she tried on the lipstick, um, that was Veronica's lipstick. And then she mentioned in the video call that morning before Veronica left for New Orleans, she was like, oh, that color looks really good on you. I can never pull it off. Um, she used like a really compliments your skin tone. And then she goes to wear it. And then like later on during the movie, she referenced the lipstick again. And she's like, oh, it really did look good on me. And I was just like, you know, it just really screams like jealous. Like she's in this woman's room. She's touching her stuff. She's, you know, putting on her makeup, like, is it like some weird like get out thing where like she hates her, but she's also wanting to like be her and so like transform into um, Veronica? I don't know, but it kind of gave me that feeling that she was like it was it was a lot of envy going on. Um, also, the the hotel like after watching it again and talking with other people. I am like 100% convinced that the hotel was also in on this whole this whole scheme of like kidnapping people because of the like I said in the first part of this um the carpet in the room where Veronica is presenting her presentation on her book matches the the design on the Union soldiers uniforms there is um when she go down when she goes downstairs to talk to the lady at the front desk on making a reservation to the restaurant behind the lady at the front desk there is a picture of what looks like the plantation that they're on like it looks like the exact same plantation it's like a frame like painting of a plantation and someone else pointed out to me that the lady at the front desk was and I didn't notice this even watching it the second time, but that the lady at the front desk was also on the plantation at the dinner. Um, and I do remember Elizabeth walked in the dinner with another woman and then they, you know, someone saying that, oh, she was also on the plantation. She was there at the dinner. And I was like, oh my God, you know, like I feel that that's why I feel that there are more people that were shown when they did the flashback before Veronica was kidnapped, were also seen there. There, if they were featured in there like a prominent role, um, a lot of them were at the plantation. Um, like 
they had to be like there had to be a connection like I really think that the people at the hotel were in on it too um and then something else that someone also pointed out to me was that the room um that Elizabeth was staying not Elizabeth um Veronica was staying in at the hotel was the Jefferson suite like Jefferson Davis the um uh president of the confederate confederacy like and I remember seeing it and it just it didn't I didn't make the connection um but yeah so like the the suite that she's in it's like the Jefferson suite and I mean even if it's not Jefferson Davis like if it's Thomas Jefferson like it's still not it's not, it's, you know, I mean, you don't want to be in this room. So it's kind of the thing where, you know, in America where we sort of want to separate ourselves from the past and sort of abolish these things. But then we realize that we've made these, you know, these key figures of the, you know, Confederacy and the Civil War and the antebellum and slavery, we've made them sort of, um, you know, important people by, you know, naming things after them, like schools and streets and towns and a freaking hotel suite in this hotel. Like, so it's like trying to escape. And then they've, we've sort of intertwined these people and this history in our present day. And we want to like abolish it, but we're still like honoring it. And it's still like a part of everyday life. And also in relation to that, um, going back to how we sort of, you know, put these key figures of the Confederacy as um, heroes and idols, um, at the end, I know in, when I was rewatching the the first, well, listening to the first recording, I said that her when at the end where um, Veronica was running, you know, well she wasn't running, she was riding the horse, escaping, and Elizabeth had the rope around her neck and she was being dragged, and her head hit a brick wall. It wasn't a brick wall; it was the base of a statue of Robert E. Lee that was on. I guess he marked the um, the the border between the land that was the plantation and the land that was used as a Civil War reenactment battlefield. I was like, so, you know, not too long ago, there was a lot of uproar about removing these Confederate generals and Confederate figures, um, their statues from like places in the public and putting them in historic place. And so this statue of Robert E. Lee is now out in the middle of this field where they're reenacting the Civil War battles. And the fact that Elizabeth's, her death is caused by her hitting the base of that statue. Like, that was obviously like put in there for very, to be very symbolic. Um, not only her, her head hitting the, the statue and she, and her dying, but also it being sort of marked as like a a border, sort of where people, you know, border is, is where things are, um, where things are separated, 
it's like a boundary, right? So it's also where two different things are, they meet, right? The two different things meet. And it's also considered, I guess you consider it as like a transition point. Like you're leaving, you say if it's like the border of two countries, so you're leaving one country and traveling to another. That could also be symbolic of you're leaving one place or time and you're supposed to be traveling and, and you know going and then you arrive into another place or time but she's it's like she's supposed to be leaving you know she thinks she's escaping and she's not and then also sort of escaping the past but she's really not in the past she's in the present so you can't really escape the present and it's supposed to be this transition but you're really not transitioning anywhere because she's going from the same thing into another thing and so it's like there is no separation really from the past from the present and I think that that's part of you know, and, and when people are trying to hold on to these statues and the idea that these people, there are people that want to go back and reenact Civil War battlefields, reenactments, and that they want to be on the plantation. And so it's like people um, are willing to to go back and like hold on to that, you know, and it's it's like all of that is sort of wrapped in like this statue and her like crossing the border because there's signs that said, you know, no trespassing. And the soldiers that were on the plantation that were chasing her, they didn't cross over into the battlefield where this the battle was actually going on. Um, so it's like trying to really transition into the, a different time, but you're really not because you know, people are holding on to the past for some reason. And it's the past that doesn't really, it, I mean, doesn't really, I, I guess it serves their ego. You know, the people that want to go back and do that. But there's huge parts of, you know, the American population, especially black people who, that past doesn't, it, it's not going to benefit them. It's not going to serve them in any way. But this whole idea of this, um, like, amusement park, this reenactment, um, being the, behind this, this whole idea that they want to go back, you know? So, like, her crossing the border, crossing over, um, I guess I would say, like, sh she's... You know, I, I don't know. It's like she's trying to, she's escaping. I guess it's sort of weird. Like, she's escaping. And there are people that want to stay there and want to go back there. Like, purposely do that. It's a whole weird thing. Um, and I think there was something I was supposed to say, but I completely got sidetracked tonight. So I'm just going to move on to um, another thing that was in my notes. Um, and I didn't notice that, and I, I guess I just wasn't paying attention to the beginning of the movie, but the, the conversation that Veronica has with a friend who's also doing a session, um, at the hotel, um, 
where she's doing her session at, she mentions the quote, um, you can't, the past is never really dead. And then Veronica says the past is never the past. I believe it, it was at the beginning of the movie. It was like shown in the beginning. And it was like a William Faulkner quote. I think that's what was said, if I remember correctly. I completely blocked that out. But like, that was also something else that kind of really gave it away. Like, or I don't even know they were really trying to make it a surprise or something. But that sort of just really gave it away that, you know, hey, they're not in the past. And that's something else I'm going to talk about because I, I really wanted there to be a surprise. But like I said in the in the first part of my recordings, um, that I just felt like I figured it out too soon, you know, and it lost a bit of its mystery. Um, but I'm going to go more into that when I do the, you know, when I, at the end, when I sort of kind of do like a little review, um, something else that I didn't, it sounded familiar to me the second time while I was watching and I was like, what is that? Like what? So there are several times when they show Veronica and everyone else at the plantation, the professor, he's whistling. And I was like, you know, that, that whatever he's whistling, that tune sounds really familiar. When I was talking to someone else about the movie, they mentioned that it is lift every voice and sing. And I was like, oh, um, so that was like his cue, you know, so it was like a cue to let everyone know kind of like, okay, we're running, this is going to be night, we're going to escape, you guys need to get ready. But when he would whistle, no one else would really whistle with him. So um, it was sort of like his, his thing, his way to like let people know like, okay, you guys we need to like get ready. And he also whistles that when the night when Veronica's planned her escape and she's outside and she's like calling, um, trying to like whisper for him and she doesn't think he's there, but then he whistles, he starts whistling the lift every voice and sing. And of course that's obviously, obviously, um, symbolic, um, because that's like, that's the, the black national anthem and, you know, for years, I mean, I, I didn't sing it at school, but my mother, um, who grew up 1940s, 1950s, she remembers seeing it at school. And a lot of schools, um, I mean, she grew up, her school was segregated, so she went to an all-black school. So they obviously sung it, and she knew the song. Um, and I don't think many schools sing it any, anymore. Um, I remember I had a, a teacher in elementary school, and I believe she was probably around my mom's age, um, but she sung that song one time at a school um, assembly, like, program we had, and I don't think a lot of people knew that, so I don't know if, I mean, that's obviously symbolic, you know, for him. Um, and it was definitely something that the the white people on the plantation wouldn't have known. Um, you know, I didn't register them because one of the, the soldiers, he's on his horse, and he's like, why don't y'all sing one of those old Negro spirituals? And I'm like, 
you know, he's like thinking of something like that. Like I thought, you know, that would, you know, lift her voice and scene may have been a little obscure for him. So he probably wouldn't have recognized it as a signaling device for them to like let other people know that, hey, we're playing escape. If you want to try to escape with us, you know, get ready. Um, so they probably didn't pick up on that. I mean, I don't think they did. Um, so that was like one of the important things that I think they, you know, other the symbols that they were using in the movie. Um, it was a, I don't know when, I should probably look that up. Um, I don't know when Lift Every Voice and Sing was written. The date, but I'm gonna look that up right now. It was 1919. Yeah, so 1919, so that's after emancipation. So it's not something that they, that slaves would have been singing or whistling during slavery. Um, so the fact that's more of a modern symbol, you could say, that it's not part of the, the slavery time, um, like the things that they would sing like that, that wouldn't have been something they would sing like it was written way after emancipation. So that feels like um, it's sort of bringing in new symbolism and mixing it with all the fact that, hey, slaves did have songs they would use to let other slaves know, like, this is the day we're going to run, um, to have that kind of symbolism, but sort of mix it with a more modern song. And I think, I mean, I think people know, like, the other, like, spirituals that were sung um, by slaves, but I think this is a little bit more modern. So it's kind of blending two symbols together. I think maybe that makes it more, um, maybe more relevant for people that are watching it. Like maybe they would know Lift Up Your Voice and Sing more than they would know the other ones. And then I also think maybe that's also important because, I mean, I, I don't think that this, the people that were playing Confederate soldiers would have known a lot of songs. I mean, if they did, would they have known Lift Every Voice and Sing? Like, would that have alerted them to, like, hey, y'all stop whistling that or something? Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't think they would have known it, but maybe I'm thinking too much about it. Um, another symbol, I also referenced this in the first recording that I did, which was the butterfly. Um, it was seen on Veronica's laptop um, it was in the promos for the movie. It was on Julia's um, leg as a tattoo. And I wasn't paying attention the first time, but the second time I realized that it was the, the on the cover of Veronica's book, the one that she was promoting with her. Um, uh, she was promoting it at the event. And I, I've been trying to Google to find the title of her book um, I know, I remember it being something about metamorphosis, which made sense that she would use the butterfly because they literally transform, right? They morph into a butterfly from a caterpillar. They, the two things look nothing like each other. Um, 
and I think that was also important um, because something else that I remember that I didn't mention the first recording was that the yoga instructor, when Veronica was having her session with her, the yoga instructor, I can't remember exactly what she said, but the instructor said something about, um, she was trying to get Veronica to like get in like the right mindset. And she said to Veronica to, for Veronica to visualize herself uh, emerging on the other side victorious, which goes back to the the border, the boundary of the Robert E. Lee statue, the no trespassing signs where she literally emerges on the other side from the plantation of the battlefield victorious. You know, she survived, she's riding out on this horse. Also, she's wearing not a Confederate soldier's uniform, but she's wearing the Union soldier's coat. And so I thought that was also really symbolic. But back to the, the metamorphosis and emerging on the other side victorious, it was sort of like her getting in this mental state and being able to, I mean, it's one thing to be like, oh, I'm doing this in yoga. Um, let me imagine myself in, in victory, you know, preparing for her speech or whatever. But to literally go through something and fight through it and have to emerge on the other side in victory, you know, that's like completely different. To actually have to overcome something and to actually have to do it I mean, it's like, you know, like they say, it's one thing to say it, but it's another thing to actually make it happen and to do it. Um, and I think, you know, that also ties into the metamorphosis of her, not only being in her, from her new life, and then sort of transforming into this other person. Literally, they give her a new name when she arrives on the plantation, but she's transforming sort of being forced to shed her old life to take on this new role that's being forced upon her, which is that of a slave. And then making another transformation again in the movie where she has to um, physically transform or, or imagine herself to, you know, to work up the, 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 um, the bravery to escape from the plantation. So she's sort of like transforming again. Um, you know, she makes contact with her husband. Um, the cell phone rings and she realized that there is like access. So she's sort of like transforming back again to her old life and sort of remembering. I mean, she doesn't really forget, but sort of like, hey, this is, you know, there's a world out there of people looking for me. This is my husband. And so she's trying to, like, again, um, but she's shedding this forced role on her. So as a role of this life, she's trying to, like, reshed that and then transform into her old self again. Um, and, you know, she's sort of, you know, she's doing the yoga to escape. She's riding a horse. Like, that's part of her her old life, you know, and so she sort of transforms again back to her old life, and then she escapes, you know, she emerges on the other side of Victoria's, and so she's kind of like back where she's um, started in a way, but also, you know, I don't know a lot about people that recover from like trauma and being kidnapped, 
that kind of thing. But she's probably also going to have to undergo another transformation, another metamorph metamorphosis and the process of like healing and the aftermath of this. I mean, everyone's probably gonna go through that. Uh, and you know, a metamorphosis unlike she can't just walk back. I mean, she can walk back into her old life, you know, her previous, her real life, but she's not gonna be the same. So like it requires another transformation to sort of, you know, um, acknowledge her trauma and then realize that it's also kind of a part of her when she, you know, goes back to her old life. So there's going to be some transformation in metamorphosis because now what's happened to her is also a part of her, a part of her life. Like it's a part of who she is um, because that's something that, you know, really happened to her. Um, and I wondered that, I felt like it was significant that Julia had the, um, tattoo, the butterfly tattoo. And I wonder if that's was, that was because she's pregnant, you know, is, I mean, was what they were saying that she was sort of the cocoon and, um, her baby was the, the, the metamorphosis that was happening. Um, or, you know, as I'm, as I'm saying that I'm also thinking as, okay, so Elizabeth, I mean, not Elizabeth, um, Julia's death was sort of like the catalysis, the catalyst that was, that, um, sort of sped up um, Veronica's plan to escape. Like after that happened, she was, I mean, she, I, I believe she was going to like try again, but she was going to prepare herself more. But then after Julia committed suicide, she, it, it kind of like sped up what she was planning. And so she's like, okay, we're going to escape tonight. And so maybe that Julia's death was, um, a catalyst that started, um, that sort of helped push Veronica's metamorphosis that she needed um to do to help her like hurry up and like escape and like make this happen so maybe that's what it was it's like part of her um part of Veronica's like metamorphosis you know I think um another symbol I remember I mentioned that what is sapphire it's like I was like what does that mean this completely like went over my head so when I googled it um the sapphires is a um it's an anti-black um character oh car caricature so it's like um you know it's like you know the 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 mammy is also a car caricature um and the sapphire is um, a caricature of uh, the sort of like the sassy black woman. Um, um, when I looked it up, it says it's a portrays black woman as rude, loud, malicious, stubborn, and overbearing. Um, and I and when I was reading, um, you know, when I was talking to people about their opinions you know they were we were talking about the movie a lot of people didn't like Gabby's character they were like you know I'm tired of seeing the um you know the overweight black woman being like this sassy you know 
um, black woman in all this uh, in all these movies, and I think um, her being that character was like made that way on purpose, because obviously there's a connection between how the way um, how Gabby's character behaved and the um, the senator, which is his is how he's referred, he's actually the senator. So when the senator, that's Elizabeth's dad, is at the dinner and he calls the other women sapphires, like there's obviously a connection. There wasn't, you know, cause it just seemed like why, you know, why is Gabby acting like this? Why, you know, why is her character like this? And so that was, I, I think it was a connection. Like it was purposely made that way because at the dinner, right, when she's with, um, um, Veronica and their other friend, the guy comes up to her and she kind of, I guess you say, emasculates him, you know, um, because one of the, one of the, the sentence is when it talks about a description of what this sapphire, um, caricature is, it says she's a tart-tongued, um, emasculating, um, one hand on hip and the other mocking, um, it says specifically African-American men, but she kind of really tells this guy off. I mean, she's, she's, you know, people would say she's rude to the hostess that picked them that raggedy table. Um, she was rude to uh, a lot of other people in the, in the movie. Um, and so I was like, okay, that's the character she um, that character is, and I think once I, I, I Google this, I was like, oh, and it, it wants to, it's, you know, this is how the people that, you know, the Confederate soldiers and stuff, this is how they, they view the, the black men on the plantation, and then to have Gabby's character sort of be that way in, like, real life, like, I felt like that was some sort of connection. I don't, I don't know if that's, I don't know if it's, um, if it was needed, you know, I mean, because the, he already said sapphires and you kind of like look that up and figure out what that is, but like, did you really need that character to be in the movie? Cause I'm not 100% sure. Um, I mean, I did think they were going to, they had planned to kidnap her. I mean, so maybe her being, you know, that stereotype, maybe she really was, um, they were really planning to kidnap her. You know, maybe that's, that's the connection. I mean, that's the only thing I can think of that makes sense at the moment. I don't know, maybe I'll think of something later. But, yeah, when I found that, I was like, oh, because that's just not that's just not a name that you know I was like it has to mean something when I when I found that I was like okay that's that's the deal um and I think uh, those are pretty much all the things that the new things I wanted to mention that I noticed after watching the second uh watching the movie a second time so I, I mean, I liked the movie. I also liked kind of like, and I generally like, you know, breaking apart movies and the symbolism and, you know, 
what are they saying that they're not like directly saying you know they're they're showing this for some reason like it means something like that's you know I you know just multiple ways to tell a story I did feel it was like lacking a bit um like I said I felt like I figured it out too soon like I enjoyed the mystery and I enjoyed how it seemed like there was a larger conspiracy um and yeah I feel like it was like this black market kind of thing where people are behind the scenes paying money to um get on this plantation and and make it like real life um and so the senator that was his um I didn't mention that in the first video because I, I I wasn't paying attention as well as I should have I guess but he was um so he was a senator and he was like running for re-election and he owned the civil War reenactment battlefield um land and the whole like park thing so I assumed he also owned the part of the plantation now a lot of people like how do we uh, um you know how do we how did this go about like there's people just being kidnapped back there. There's all kind of stuff going on. And the thing is, is like, so he's like wealthy. And so he owns this plantation. And like, you know, if you realize in the movie, she's on, they're on, they're running by horseback. So it's a big space in between where the plantation is and where the, um, the battlefield reenactment area is. Like, it's just not like side by side or something you know what I mean like and the people that are coming there they're most of everybody's going to the civil reactment battlefield you see people with chairs at the end coming getting there making their steaks they're gonna have a picnic I mean okay so not only is it like the civil war and there it's kind of like this glorifying a time where there's like slavery and people being like beaten and murdered and raped and forced to work uh people being kidnapped they're having picnics, but there are people that died on the bat, like died during the Civil War, like you know the Gettysburg. Like people, people talk about that the field is like that area is like haunted, but like hundreds of men like died, and people are coming out there with their chairs and the picnic table and like all this stuff going on. You got slavery, people dying in the war, and they're coming out here with chairs and like. It's weird, and I feel like that's my phrase for my podcast, because when I was watching the first recording, I didn't realize how many times I said, this is weird, or this is really weird, or that's weird, so maybe that's going my slogan, but anyway, I've gotten completely off track, um, so yeah, like I think it was like a whole black market thing going on, so the senator, he owns, you know, I guess he owns the limitation, he owns the, um, at theme park, the Civil War battlefield reenactment park. Um, so I really wanted the movie to explore more of that because it wasn't really horror for me. It's more like a mystery, suspense, drama. I mean, there were some scary moments, especially when Veronica was in the hotel um, and the thing where they're at the restaurant and they get almost run down by the the, the horse and carriage which was like another symbol. Like, so the horse and carriage, right? So they're like, it's like a juxtaposition of like modern 
you know, they're gotten out of Uber, they're in like modern clothes, but then there's like horse and buggy speeding down this road about to kill people. <laughs> it's like, why are they driving a horse that fast? Was that part of another thing for them to get Veronica on edge, have her almost run down by like a horse and carriage? Because I know they have it in New Orleans, but they're not riding that fast in those things. Like, that makes no sense. So <laughs> that was sort of like the just vision of the, the, the past and the future. And she's it's about to run her down. Like, she can't escape it. It's just like, it's about to kill them all. Um, but yeah, I wanted more of how, um, all this is going on, like more of that backstory. Cause I'm convinced now that the hotel was like in on it. Those fake Uber drivers, I don't think they were real Ubers cause there's no way that many people, like they get multiple Ubers and different times of the day. And they're all like, and you know what? I think she... Did it show her going to the airport? And I know she got an Uber, but like, they show the Uber? Cause I'm pretty sure if she did, she was, it probably was a black SUV. Like, why they all got the same car? So it's like the hotel, the senator and all his like henchmen and his like friends and family cause his daughter and the brother-in-law is there. So there's like multiple people in this conspiracy. And I feel like that was somewhere they could elaborate on more like the beginning of the movie with um it, where Janelle's like being brought back because she's escaped her and the professor and I guess the professor's wife maybe it like it was a bit because they kind of just throw it in your face like that's the, the the active scene because everything else is like you're watching you're seeing you know the camera pans open the plantation you see the people that's all you know all there to the horse and that's like the first scene of like action of things going on um is Janelle Monet well it's the guy um the professor he's in like they got him in a chain thing because they're like okay you're gonna have these bells around your neck you're not gonna be able to escape or I don't know what they were doing but he had like a thing around his neck his wife was freaking out because they were taken away and she was running and like somebody shot her and they drug her, and then it shows Janelle Monet getting like beat up and then branded. Like that was a lot for the the first part of the movie. Okay, so she gets branded. Okay, another thing I forgot to mention, but she gets branded, and it's a particular brand, but it's the senator's initials, I believe, because his name is it's B D, and then like a circle. Because when they show Elizabeth in the hotel room, they don't show her face, but they show a pin on her lapel. And it's the same as the brand they put on Veronica. And, okay, that. Anyway, it, they show all that in the beginning. I'm like, they could have kind of like, they kind of left, the, they could have left that out and then dedicated that time to something else that was more interesting which was like the backstory on all this is going on like how they kidnap kidnapping these people where are they taking them from the selection process um like that you know I enjoyed the mystery part of the movie of like trying to figure out what's going on and I think that should have been explored more um like it was I don't know and it, I, I just didn't like that I, I figured it out too soon um because literally that quote 
that opens up on the movie is it's repeated again but I was just like if you read that they could be like the past is not the past oh she's not really going back in time before the movie actually starts I'm like why was that even that gives everything away I mean did they not want it to be a mystery I don't know a little bit disappointed and I like Janelle Monet. um I love her music um but she's really poised and um it made her acting a bit sound a bit rehearsed like it didn't have a natural flow to it a lot of times so like when she was doing her her speech and like the talking points you know they kind of just you know take an excerpt of the speech and it just it didn't have like a natural flow to it i mean the same thing when they showed the clip of her um on television during the interview it was kind of the same way like very pageantry like it was overly overly poised it seemed like overly rehearsed I don't know if that was part on purpose maybe they wanted to be her character but it kind of made um it just didn't make her acting very um natural sounding like, I don't know and that kind of I mean I think everyone else was I mean but I also kind of felt that way with Elizabeth the very first thing they showed with her which was her and the doing the virtual uh, interview when she was talking with Veronica on the phone or not on the phone, the video chat thing. Um, I don't know if that was because of her accent um, because I know that's not her, the the actor. Um, I know that's not her real accent. Like I've seen her and stuff before. I don't think she has that Southern, like strong Southern accent. I don't know that, but her, it also sounded sort of bit rehearsed, but maybe it, it probably worked I mean, it, it wasn't so bad. Like, I could see because she was, like, faking it the whole time. Like, she didn't really like her. She wasn't really interested in Veronica. So, I mean, it it, it was kind of, like, sounding really rehearsed the way that Janelle Monáe's character was. But, I don't know, I wanted Veronica to sound more natural because she's supposed to be more genuine. I don't know. But this lady's obviously not being genuine, so if she sounds fake, that's totally on par with her character. But I just didn't, I didn't like that part. Um, and I like the part where they showed her life before and everything that happened. Like, you know, you know, that's part of the part of figuring out, you know, it shows kind of how, I mean, it's just her, her story, her example, but kind of get the idea of, you know, how they're taking other people, like the whole, the other people are in on it kind of thing. So I think that, uh, I mean, that's why I like that part. So I wanted more of that. Um, I mean, it was a good movie. I liked it. It wasn't the best. Um, the visuals were great. The opening shot was really nice. I really liked the opening shot. How it came up on the plantation. And it shows a little girl picking those ugly flowers. She's probably the one that gave, you know, got the flowers for that ugly bouquet that they gave Veronica with the cotton balls in it. <laughs> That's just, I, I was, I was, it was just so, like, obnoxious and offensive that they would give her 
you know, like it was obviously somebody that didn't like her. I don't know why she would have thought that her husband would have gave her a bouquet with cotton in it. Like, I mean, I guess she was like, okay, who, who else going to send me flowers? <laughs> you know, like, this is obviously for someone that doesn't like you. Like, I'm going to give a black woman flowers, but not only the flowers are going to be like raggedy wildflowers, but I'm going to put cotton in it. Yeah, the opening scene was really good. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, it was it was filmed well overall. Like the cinematography was good. It was just the story. I think the story was what um, it, it it separated a lot of people. That people that loved it and maybe people didn't like it, or it was the the deciding factor on whether or not people liked it. Like the execution of the story. Um, the particular parts of the story that they decided to have in the movie. Um, I mean, I definitely think the open scene with her, I mean, game, like, we know that the slaves are being brutalized on this plantation. Like, you can't be like, oh, I'm going to have, you know, the whole experience of going back in, you know, antebellum era without beating people. Like, they want the whole experience. So we always know that's going on. And I was like, that time could have just been spent on something else that was more interesting um, than seeing this. I mean, I mean, other than like the, the brand part, getting branded, like the particular brand, like, I don't know, knowing that that was that man's initials, maybe that was important. But like, that was, a, I mean, they could have just did that another way. They could have, I mean, maybe have her show her with the brand already on it, on her instead of just showing her getting branded like it was just like a bunch of unnecessary time okay so let me talk about this real quick because i forgot this i didn't write it down but as i was doing this it reminded me um so elizabeth's father is like a stalker like he was obsessed with veronica um to the point where he uh personally wants her pick to be on this plantation so that he can like rape her and brutalize her. Like, okay, his whole view of women, this is how he feels about women, and this particular woman that he wants to possess her, you know, like master and slave, and like own her and have his way with her, and it's a fantasy, he's like, oh, I'm gonna be, um, someone else pointed this out to me, but like his own fantasy is like, oh, I'm gonna be the master who's like sneaking back into slave quarters and raping a slave. Like, what is up with uh, the senator, like, that was really creepy. The fact that Elizabeth reveals that he just, he was like, he specifically wanted Veronica, which was like really weird. Um, really creepy. And I said really weird again. Um, but it, that was really disturbing. Um, because I didn't realize that Veronica specifically had significance for him. Um, and that's why she's there. You know, I don't, so like maybe it's not like her personality, they really want to put her in her place, but that he's obsessed with her. You know, he's like a stalker, like a deranged racist stalker. I, you know, it's just all kind of stuff that's going on with these characters, like really weird. Um, also, when I first did the recording, I got um, Veronica's 
um, slave name wrong. I thought they were saying Edith or Edie, but they were saying Eden, like the Garden of Eden, uh, which is ironic because of her being specifically chosen by the senator and being, you know, in Garden of Eden is supposed to be like this ideal, this perfect place, this haven. Um, and he has her renamed as Eden. And that's, you know, when he gets there on the plantation, that's where he's going to Eden, to her in her cabin every night. Like, okay. So, I mean, like, really? So he's like, this is his heaven. This is his garden of Eden. Is Eden this woman that he's kidnapped and hold her captive in this cabin on this plantation? Like, that is crazy. That's really crazy. That this is the kind of the backstory that um, that should have been given more time because that's the real horror. Um, you know, when you explore how they're getting people, the specifics on why he chose um, Veronica, um, how her daughter feels about that because maybe he 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 didn't have the same obsession, you know, I don't want to say like a sexual obsession with his daughter, but like maybe he's he was the kind of father that ignored ignored his daughter or didn't care about his daughter or maybe didn't give her enough attention or much love. But then all of a sudden there's this some random black woman and he's obsessed with her and he's like, okay, you need to kidnap her. And, you know, like I'm sure that that made her feel some kind of way about Veronica. Like, that's the kind of stuff that should have given more screen time instead of this scene where um, Veronica is getting beaten and, and branded. Like, that was just like a waste, a waste of time. Like, that was not, that's not interesting. There's no, I mean, it just it didn't really serve a purpose um, other than the part that you see the brand, like what the actual brand is. Um, Another scene that was um, that I didn't really talk about was the scene when the soldier takes Julia back to her cabin. They're supposed to have, uh, I mean, they're supposed to have sex, but he's, I mean, obviously he's gonna rape her, um, but he didn't. But he beat her up, and there was a scene, oh, not a scene. There, at the beginning, um, he seems like, and even at the dinner, he's like very shy and awkward around women. Like he doesn't even know how to talk to Julia. And um, Elizabeth's husband has to step in and be like, oh, he'll meet you back in the cabin. You're dismissed. And so they get back to the cabin, and he's, like, stuttering. He can't really talk. He's not making eye contact. And so she sees, um, Julia sees the opportunity to sort of, like, you know, appeal to uh, his his shy personality and hope that that will uh, maybe make him not hurt her, you know, to sort of, um, sympathize with him in some way and she tries that except it backfires because his whole idea of being um, a part of this Civil War reenactment thing is that he's trying to fit in and when she says oh you're not like the others you're not like those monsters he like flips and he gets all of his confidence and he's like um, I'm, I'm just like them I'm just as much as a confederate as they are you know, so there's obviously some something that was going on with him and the other people, the other fake soldiers. 
um, for him to react like that. Like he's just doing this, trying to fit in. And her saying that he's not like them, he was offended because he wanted to be like them. I was like, weird. And then he beats her up and he kicks her. And that is what makes her lose her baby. She has a miscarriage and she like loses it. And then she um, commits suicide. And Veronica is the one is the one that finds her. And after that, she's like, okay, we're going to plan our escape. So Julia's role is really to be the catalyst, to have her um, be there to sort of um, reactivate this metamorphosis that Veronica needs to have happen again, you know, because she, she needs to get out. Somebody needs to get out to let people know what's going on back there. And, um, you know, when I was talking about this movie, people earlier, a lot of people were like, what was the point of Julia? She's pregnant. She's going to die. And like, no, like something had to, because it wasn't enough for her to get beaten and, and like branded and this guy's raping her, but to see, you know, this new person come on and then have to experience, you know, to just, to, to, you know, she had a whole life before her and, um, to have her there and I think she's, she's, she's probably younger than Veronica. So to have her come there and have her experience that, um, and then find out that she's pregnant and have this something happen to someone else and sort of to see that. And that really was something that was going to um, catapult her into the, the, the frame of mind that she needed to be in to do what she needed to do to get out and to alert people about what's going on. So Julia did have a purpose. It's not really... You know, you don't want Julia to die. You don't want her baby to die. You know, you wanted her to escape and have her baby and live outside of this. But that's not, that's not in the cards for Julia. Um, and that was not what was in the cards for a lot of people that got in there. Because they have the, the incinerator where they burn people that tried to escape or anyone that may have like been killed or murdered or died or something on there. Um, because I mean, you can't find bones or evidence of people if all they are ashes. So they've been killing people, um, and burning them up in this little incinerator shed thing. Um, so, and I think I'm gonna probably end it here. Um, I could probably go on and talk about this some more, but I'm going to end it and um, I'm going to try to do more, um, movie, um, exploring the symbolism and imagery in movies, not so much a review, not like saying whether something's good or bad, but, um, breaking down the, um, the devices in the movie that are used to tell the story. Yeah, I'm going to try to decide on what movie I want to see next. I mean, I was hoping that the remake of Candyman would be out, but it's not. This month It's being postponed to 2021, so I'm going to have to wait on that. But I think I might just do um, an analysis of the original Candyman, maybe. So, and guys, follow the podcast and... Now stay tuned. This is something that you find interesting. This is this is what I do.
Um, this is what this blog is gonna, this podcast is gonna be about. Um, so follow and subscribe and tune in next time.